Greetings, and welcome to the 80 Level Roundtable Podcast. In each episode, host Kirill Tokarev invites video game industry leaders to talk about the world of game development. No topic is off limits as long as it relates to video game development. New episodes are in the works, so remember to follow us or subscribe and share with someone you know will also enjoy the podcast. Can you give us like a little introduction? Like, um, you've been an indie dev for a while. Uh, you did some games before, and you've been working on this project for like a, a, a long period of time. Yeah. How did you get into this uh, position? When? How did you become like an indie dev? Were you working in a studio before? Did you do some, I don't know, like freelance, or were you working in some other area, like not in games? How did you get into this world of video game development? Yeah, uh, I was actually doing something else before. Uh, I worked in the printing industry uh, since 2013. Uh, and then uh, I, I took my savings and uh, said to myself, I'm going to make games now and move to Berlin uh, together with my wife. And then I began making uh, very small projects and games for the learning. So I, I participated in Ludum Dare and other game jams. Uh, and the intention was to to make some prototype for uh, for a portfolio to to apply for a job some uh, at some company. But then I liked uh, working on my own game so much that um, yeah, that, that felt like uh, the the more uh, yeah, I wanted to pursue that. Uh, and then at some point, uh, Death Thresh just happened. Like it was there immediately, like from the images, something interesting for me. And very early on, I knew uh, I wanted to make this game now. But it's it's really like my my first commercial commercial game, like the first big game. So uh, my my game making woods uh, woods though they they are way back. I, I began like in the nineties already making uh, small amateur games like on on the side. So can you tell us a little bit about the kind of like the tech behind the project? Is this is is this your own engine? Are you building everything on your own, or do you use some kind of like existing technology like Unity or maybe yeah. Game Maker or something? Yeah, we are using Unity. Um, I, I actually used Unity the years before for the other projects, so it was like an easy decision to to go to just continue using that. But we have actually uh, a lot of framework and tools that are custom made. So I, I got into editor, uh, into programming editor tools in uh, in Unity, and uh, we have a, a level editor that is on top of the Unity scene view, uh, but does a lot of custom stuff, uh, and it even works like uh, partially in in the runtime now. So uh, long term, maybe uh, my wish would be to even make uh, publish some kind of level editing tools for the game. It, it, uh, to encourage modding and uh, like yeah. map making. Uh, yeah. 
that would be uh, so it, it's not it's not 100 sure but it's like my, my a wish of mine that that could happen so one of the things that uh, we kind of ask a lot uh, for video game developers in particular are is um are they using the different like plugins sdk maybe ui plugins and something from the unity asset store like um are they of use to you do you find them kind of interesting do you use them in your game or in majority of cases they kind of like not really good or they only work for prototypes that kind of thing How, what's your position for that yeah i, I think there's cool stuff there but uh, i don't use much uh, personally so we have one plugin for the controller Uh, for supporting different types of controllers and we use fmod uh, for the audio uh, that was a wish for from from the audio uh, guy mm -hmm. um, but i think that's even it like maybe like uh, two or three uh, like mini libraries for for some uh, uh, animations or uh, small scale stuff like uh, some utilities yeah but apart from that it's all custom uh, custom made i even, i even made like a, a plugin myself that is now used by others which is like for for the pixel art import there's uh, a sprite a pretty common uh, pixel art painting program now and when i started there wasn't like uh, any kind of uh, tooling from from the painting program to to unity so i uh, i coded an import of that and um, made that open source and it's used by by some people and they they are really happy that something like this exists now Stefan, so why do you decide to build um things th th those elements yourself why not use the existing solution is, is this because maybe there are no no solutions that kind of fit your needs Or maybe the quality is poor. Like, what's the reasoning behind it? Uh, yeah, for for the specific needs, uh, there was uh, rarely something that uh, fit really good. Like, Death Trash has this complicated uh, art setup, and uh, maybe not really complicated, but like, it has like this perspective which is more more like organic shapes. Uh, of the mm -hmm. pixel art sprites so like some kind of grid based tool didn't fit so we needed a, for a level editor that could place the sprites anywhere uh, but would still be good to use but then in parts uh, in other parts we we needed uh, for the un, uh, underground levels uh, we use a grid solution but that had to fit like with the other stuff we used so we couldn't like uh, it wouldn't be of use to use an external grid based uh, solution so it just grew into this like lots of custom uh, solutions for custom problems specific to this game i noticed the same thing among other developers as well A lot of developers, it just seems that it's so much easier right now to build your own game because there are a lot of those SDKs and plugins and libraries and you don't really have to do everything from, you know, from the blank sheet. But still, 
uh, I talk with a lot of developers and like majority of them say that they want to use, they want to build their own, like they build their own solutions, utilities, like you mentioned, like even for something that is kind of trivial and maybe there is also a solution available somewhere. Mm -hmm. They just don't want to get, um, you know, linked with another company or with another tool and make this kind of like a strategic step because you, you, you kind of become dependent on whatever the other team is doing and it needs to be updated, needs to fit your pipeline. And it's just like, I see a lot of kind of like uh, pushback from, from the developers when they're, when I'm just, I'm just asking like, why, why not? Because on one hand, there is a lot of developers who we, we feature on 80 level and they yeah. are building those SDKs. They're building like asset packs and all that stuff. And I know that those, that is successful and people are using that and in, in different projects or just to play around and so on. But it seems when it, we talk about like professional game development, when you're actually making a product and you want to sell it, very few developers want to rely on somebody else's work. They kind of want to do everything themselves. Yeah, I think it's mostly uh, they had experience, probably a bad experience at some point where they uh, had a, a road block, uh, some bug that, that was in some plugin and they couldn't immediately figure it out or maybe yes, maybe exactly, the plugin exactly. Maybe the plugin wasn't open source, so, so they just had to really rely on the other company uh, following through and or fixing that. So, like over the years, I think like the experienced developers, they had enough of these occurrences that they rather take the path where it may might take a bit longer, but they could potentially fix everything by themselves. Just like uh, they have the certainty they can fix something. I think that's. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it's even even more surprising because you you were like one man show. You were doing the whole work yourself. You didn't have like mm -hmm. any anyone kind of helping you and so on. So that's even in this situation when you're kind of strapped for time and money and resources, and you're kind of doing all of those things. You still want to do this yourself because you you trust yourself more i guess than some guys like who are doing the, these things and providing solutions yeah uh, but but i think it's also like um it's maybe my so i grew up in the 90s with with uh and it's software uh, doom yeah, 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 and quake yeah. they made their own engine and then it was so cool like like there's there's a vibe to it that like to people to people old enough like me it's still it's still somehow um yeah yeah it feels just cool to make your own stuff your own stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, funny enough if you think if you think all the companies that are kind of successful right now if you think about like um i don't know like league of legends if you think about dota if you think about uh world of tanks and you know cry uh, crisis and all, all the other things those are mostly built with their own technology, like even Fortnite, it's it's built with the Unreal Engine, but they own this engine, yeah, right? Yeah. So uh, I heard a lot of uh, kind of venture guys and all the other guys, they're saying that it's kind of like a very big competitive advantage. Although we kind of live in the area and time where everybody's kind of using Unity or something else or something else, you still want to have some code of your own 
because it allows you for more freedom and basically it's yours so you can do whatever you want with it and you kind of shift directions and so so on and so forth so mm -hmm. Stefan, i want to kind of maybe switch gears a little bit and talk about the way you approach the the promotion of the game yeah because I, I i remember it was and I, I read through your interview on Kama Sutra that you started showing it to the public very early. It's like a, a while ago, like I mentioned at the beginning. So yeah. there were just some screenshots and stuff. So what were the things that you were doing in the beginning that kind of brought uh, attention to, to the game? We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The way, the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out The Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. So so actually, the, the game, it was visible uh, publicly from day one because it started with an image. Like I was like in that phase where I made uh, for learning art, just a lot of paintings. And then there was like a Fallout 4 announcement. And then I made one fan art image about that in this perspective and this rough pixel art. And and that was basically the first image of Death Flash. And when I posted it, I saw immediately like it had like 50 likes uh, on Twitter, which is a lot more than I got for the stuff before. Uh, and told me like uh, it's a game I like, but others like too. And then it felt natural to okay, maybe uh, the second image I draw for the for the game, maybe uh, I, I post that too, uh, like online. So I continued uh, con just with Twitter, uh, immediately showing everything I made for the game. Like while while I was figuring out how this game world even works. Uh, I was showing everything and not all of the images I posted were good or like really interesting for, for all the people. But I think some of them also got interested in the, in the process of, uh, of witnessing how like the world even came into being in the first place. And then it took just like two or three months and then uh, pages like Rock Paper Shotgun, et cetera, they, they posted about it and then got a lot of comments about that. Yeah. I and think I, rock rock paper shotgun helped a lot because they it, they kind of like these games. Uh, they're like PC and uh, it, it it fits whatever they're writing, like their editorial uh, policy. Right? Yeah, and and the uh, Adam Smith was uh, the guy back then, and he wrote like yeah, he wrote an article and was so so fascinated by the game apparently, and so many people in the comments were too, and. It was just just the artworks of the game. It was it told them like uh, they could always the people I think could uh, already imagine some kind of stories happening in that world, and mm -hmm. it had a, a strong personality immediately. 
So, and then you mentioned that it kind of dwindled down, so you you saw less less of the attention. And yeah, one of, one of the big pushes was during E3. So, can you tell us a little bit about how did you plan this? So, you have a like a marketing freelancer who's helping you out, and you had a demo, mm-hmm. and uh, how did you plan this release? What were your expectations? How did you decide to kind of approach this and so on? Uh, yeah, it began a bit earlier. I think like uh, the year before uh, last year, uh, I already felt like like the game feels good, but I wasn't sure about all the the people, the audience that uh, came to the game over the years, uh, if they were still be interested. So it was interesting to me to uh, to just see like would they be interested in the game still. So I reached out to one YouTuber, uh, Splittergate Gaming, uh, and he made a stream, <clears throat> and it went really well. Like it had three hundred thousand views or something like that, and the people were really commenting under that too. It, it, uh, the game felt polished enough. It felt good enough. And then I got in contact with the the marketing freelancer, <clears throat> and we made a, uh, we, yeah, we laid out the plan for the summer. Basically, our, our main thing we wanted to do was uh, take part in the in the Steam Next Fest. That was the main thing we built. Basically, everything else around. So we, uh, and then it came like the first thing was we handed out more keys to other YouTubers, and uh, there were a few who made videos and uh, Ragnaroks, who uh, is a I would say medium-sized YouTuber. He made a very glowing review about the demo, and he, all the other content on his channel is finished games. So, it, like, it it stood really out, and that got some people hyped. And um, then was the announcement uh, of the of the demo, and then came the E3 with a trailer. And at that point, like there were enough people activated, I think, from the old audience who were always interested, but maybe forgot a bit about the game. And now it was visible again to them. And we uh, we were lucky enough to get, I think, the best place in the PC gaming show. Uh, we somehow got in there, I think, by by luck. How did you get? Uh, how did you get into the PC gaming show? Yeah, I think that was uh, Mark, uh, Marco, our marketing freelancer, just wowed them at some point. And they were basically already finished wrapping up uh-huh. uh, with uh, what they wanted for the show. And then they saw our work in progress trailer and said, uh, oh, yeah, that, that could be really good for the show. And then they, they gave us like a major spot. And wow. so it was like uh, almost at the end. So there was still some stuff after it, but I think it was like uh, one of the main places. And that was, you could immediately see that. So we had a Steam page running with a uh, with a recording. So you can see the number of people visiting in that moment in uh, the page. And it was like ten thousand or, or or something like that. It was immediately yeah. uh, you could you could feel it. And yeah. and, a, and a week later was the demo, and that went so well. Like uh, it was. Yeah, played by so many, and uh, I think, uh, yeah. So the the people were like hyped, 
before and now they could play it for themselves for one mm -hmm. or two hours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you kind of do everything yourself. So it, it, it's like, um, it's a very different strategy that a lot of developers are taking because I, I talk with a lot of guys who are, who don't want to work with marketing, who don't want to think about the influencers and stuff. They just want to develop the game. Like yeah, they, yeah. They, they develop and uh, all of the other stuff, they outsource. So they give it to a publisher or maybe they hire some agency, but in, in majority of cases, it's, it's the publisher, right? You mm -hmm. are approaching this in a completely different manner. So you're basically building your game on your own. You're doing the test of the audience very early on to understand if, you, if they like the look and the atmosphere and the design. And then you decide to do like to go completely self-publishing. So mm -hmm. can you explain to us why did you decide to go that way? And what are like the advantages of uh, self-publishing that are important to you, like to, to you and your team? And why do you think it's a, it's a better choice than working with a publisher, for example? I'm sure yeah. there are a lot of publishers who contact you and said, yeah. here's a million dollars. There were some publishers contacting me. Yeah. Uh, and I should uh, mention, uh, like, uh, we are a team of two right now. No? Since last year, there's another developer who's also an all-rounder. I just wanted to mention that, like, uh, it was five years of solo so, developer, but, yeah, you, but since you last doubled, year. You doubled your team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the the marketing, I think, uh, it like it, the the biggest advantage is that you can that you have such a strong personal voice. Um, so I can just. At every minute, uh, I can just post about the game, my own opinion, and uh, people don't always have to agree, but they can immediately feel, oh, there's, there's a person behind that project, and that person has a strong opinion about some things. And uh, so they can relate a lot, or they can they might not be happy about all the design decisions uh, I make, but they can they can really see where they where the decisions are coming from, and that kind of stuff. And I'm pretty, I think I'm uh, pretty transparent with uh, most of the stuff I do. I post about like the process, my, the ups and downs of what's happening. So most people following the project, they have, they should have a, a clue about what's, what's really happening. There's, there's no layer between uh, them and me. Why it uh, started like that in the first place may be also because of the years before where I made these very small projects um, in the in the, in the game gyms, etc. And then I uploaded them. So that was part of my process to also publish them. And they got no no views, no plays, uh, nothing. So I I kind of guessed like this needs a different approach. Like uh, you have to take care of, uh, you don't only have to make the game, you have to, to sell the game. You, you bring, have to bring it to the people to, to get people uh, give it attention. 
and yeah, I think the the very first moment when I posted that image and got like 50 likes on Twitter, it was like it just came together. I want to make this game, and there's an there's an audience for it. Like, go forward. So, how did you how did you start kind of getting your community together? Like, did you? I mean, there are because that's super important. Like emails are like the the gold in this situation, right? Because you need to get as many emails as possible because then they can wish list the game on Steam or somewhere, and you can communicate with the audience. So yeah. that's basically your 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 core thing. So how did you how did you get those emails, or did you do like um, you know Facebook, or did you do Twitter, or what was the what was the main source where you Try to kind of gather all your users and potential buyers. Uh, I think for for me it was Twitter, but it's mostly I think for for my own convenience uh, because I liked using it, uh, like the just the, the the platform like of of using two sentences but not more like that that fit really good to how I liked uh, posting about the game and the gifts. And I tried other things like a Facebook uh, and a Tumblr blog, but, but Twitter felt always like like home to me. So I concentrated on that to not to do uh, too much uh, at once. And uh, I made the, the Steam page I made pretty late, uh, I think in 2019. I think we could have made that earlier to already gather a wish list. Mm -hmm. But but I also wasn't uh, for for a while. I wasn't really sure which like publishing plan I I should follow. Like should I early access like we are doing right now, or should we make a Kickstarter or maybe a publisher? Maybe so it was undecided, and I think that was the main reason why we didn't make a Steam page yet. And mm -hmm. the other thing that it, I knew the game would still be some, take some years, then it felt maybe too early and people would get maybe disappointed if they see a steam page for three or four years mm -hmm. although in reality i think it doesn't make uh that's not not a big disadvantage if you make it that early so yeah as far as i understand majority of investments like probably 100 percent is based the investments in the games is your own money right so you had some savings and you kind of basically lived on this money and try to yeah yeah the uh, mostly on settings we had a, a government funding a regional mm -hmm. government thing it's like uh, uh, 50 thousand euros and it's uh, if if the game is successful then it uh, we have to pay it back um, otherwise it would have been on them so that was like a, maybe for, for for half of the project time or or, or less but but the other the other parts were our own savings yeah also my my own and then my wife helped out and uh, and my family so family and friends basically helped you out yeah, yeah. um were you approached by um i mean you mentioned you were approached by like a publisher yeah how do how do they help? How do they sell you this deal? Like, what's the percentage that they give to you, and what is the percentage you you give to them? And um, 
why you didn't take that deal? Like, what was the reason for kind of not not going in that direction? Uh, I actually didn't have that many talks about direct percentages. I think they mostly they stopped already earlier. So I was always like a bit hesitant. Uh, I, I think I, I myself, I only want to, uh, in the very first year, I want to Devolver. And they were, yeah. uh, were kind of interested, but so already saw that it was uh, too early, uh, I think. And uh, after that, I maybe in my head it was all, already like, uh, okay, I'm doing self-publishing, but I'm not 100% sure. So I I kept talking to these other publishers, and that I don't know percentages. Uh, it could be like from from 30% uh, for them or upwards, and so. All of the contacts were really like uh, good and friendly, and even like the the business proposition, uh, propositions of them that I saw, always uh, they felt okay. Like uh, not like uh, uh -huh. like I'm de dealing with uh, with bad, uh, or something. Bad yeah, company. yeah. The, it was just my my own decision to then not pursue it. Mm -hmm. So. What about the the way that you monetize? So is this, um, I know that you released the demo and then I know that you're releasing the game and the game, it's just, it's like an early access as far as I understand it. It's, and it's a part of the, the whole package. It's not the full, yeah. uh, yeah. it's like a, a part of this adventure. So how do you plan to sell it and release it? Is it just going to be like a premium title that you're gonna sell for like in perpetuity or do you want to build it into like dlcs or are there some ideas about like in-game items or skins or something that you want to monetize more no i i think i'm really uh old school and classic uh i want to make the game and people buy it and that's basically it apart from maybe in a bigger expansion about but i'm not sure if we are doing an expansion mm -hmm or a sequel, or a different game, but maybe in the same genre. I think one of these three will happen after the game, but I'm, but I'm not sure yet. Mm -hmm. But but apart from that, we are like, yeah, there's one price and you get one game, that's it. Mm -hmm. And, and are, are you... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, so with the early access, it's, it's a third of the final package. So people who are maybe looking into like how many gameplay hours they get for the money, they are they probably won't be that happy with the game. So we are like at every opportunity telling them uh, just wait for the game, for the full game, skip it for now. What we mostly want from the from the early access is like our, our core, core fan base who are already in, interested in the game and people who liked the demo and went a few hours more. And then we get all the feedback from them. Uh, so if it's just enough money that we can continue and get enough quality feedback, that's at this stage the only thing we want. So I don't want uh, too many people coming in and then get disappointed about uh, that they're not getting enough content yet. Yeah, I see, I see. So yeah, my, my question uh, was, you currently have this on Steam. Like, do you 
plan to sell it in any other place? Are you, do you want to do like old old games? Do you want to go on like? Um... Oh, we are we are already selling. Uh, the launch, mm -hmm. the early access was already on GOG, Epic Game Store, and and even the Itch Store. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are we are also developing the console versions, so mm -hmm. we have them functional and working and. They would be released uh, right alongside the PC uh, 1.0 version. Do, do you develop the console versions yourself or do you hire yeah. like outsourcing everything yourself? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of crazy though. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but maybe it's also just my my technical interest or curiosity. Like at least for, for the first time, I just want to see every single step. I want to like... Yeah, I want to know how these things work, etc. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, do you have any plans to setting up your own store, like on the website or somewhere, or or, or is this is not something that you would like to do? Probably not. I I think I was already annoyed by by the work that has to go into the publishing process, like. It, it's not it's, it's doable and uh, it's just a few tasks but like them adding up that you have to make store graphics here and like the legal stuff and all the like the small publishing steps that it's already so a bit annoying for me that uh, i don't i wouldn't want to get into my making my own store and have like a like a very compli complicated version of that and from your experience kind of working with all those platform, which one did you like the most? Like which one, which one was the easiest process to publish and which one was like the, the worst? <laughs> Will this printed uh, be directly public or is it like safe to say something? <laughs> no, you can't. You can. <laughs> nah, it's... Um... They're, they're all really good. Like I didn't have much uh, expectations yet. But like, I really love Steam because I can do everything on my own. Like same mm. with maybe with the game making, I, I am in control and it's like, yeah, I can fix the stuff and make it. Uh, the itch store, it's the same. But then the GOG people, they so they handle most of the stuff for you. But then they all also really care about the game. So especially with Deathfish, uh, the GOG people, they were like, they very like, they love, they really like the game and were really uh, helpful. And the people from uh, from Epic, uh, they were also really helpful and friendly. Like uh, th that came together really last minute. So they saw it in the E3 events, etc. that the game got attention and then they approached me and here, why not make the launch uh, also now there? And so it was really last minute and a bit stressful, but but they were also really helpful. So for all the stores, I, I'm really happy with uh, with how they handle things. And in terms of uh, like pre-orders and uh, just again, I guess wish lists and downloads. So which one brings you the most users? I, I guess it's Steam, right? Because it's like yeah. the biggest. So we are so we are we are selling the game now since uh, five or six days. So uh -huh. I al already have like the sales numbers and Steam is by, by far like uh, the biggest way, way over 90%. Uh, wow. Uh, 
Okay, so Stefan, thank you for 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 the time and the interview. I I have like one request. If you were talking to like indie developers who are like uh, who are like you who are just starting out in the maybe building their first project and so on. So what advice would you give them um, at the very beginning? Because I think the project that you kind of talked about right now and how you approach it is like a very good, um, like um, mature way of approaching video game development. Because yeah. you started with something that you really liked, but you showed it to the world, you got some, you know, market response and then you kind of continued with your own money you kind of believed in this idea and you were you're basically holding everything in, in your own hands like a, the ip and everything you didn't sell it out and uh, you're now self-publishing which is also amazing so, so your the revenue that's keep coming it, it it's all yours basically apart, apart from maybe steam and platforms and so on yeah. but majority of cases it's yours so how would you kind of you know, distill it into some kind of grain of, of wisdom that you can give to other people mm -hmm. and so they can avoid making some mistakes. Yeah, so the, the two things you mentioned, I think like you have to really make a game you yourself love making. If, if you end up making it so many years, uh, which could happen, then it should be really something you, you like doing every day. And the second part, you, you also have to make sure there's an audience for it. And if you're starting out, I think you have to just be public with a lot of stuff. Not so maybe you are afraid your ideas get stolen, etc. But uh, like the, the biggest danger is that you're making something no one is interested in. So uh, you have to test that somehow. And uh, you also have to like you shouldn't do a project like that right from the start. So I, I already had like years of experience. It felt right for me to, to now begin it. I, like, I felt like a confident programmer and I was still a beginner artist, but like I, I had found an art style for the project immediately. So there was a lot of base uh, already there. So, so to, to smaller so beginning indie developers, I think they, they should really make sure they they already have some kind of experience before. Or or maybe they have a game that uh, they already have an audience or that, uh, yeah, they already have the product basically. And uh, yeah. it can still work out that they are learning, learning to do the job while doing the job. Yeah, yeah I, I think, I think you're right. Basically, you still need to get uh, some kind of experience if you're yeah. if, you, if you want to do this, and it's very hard to do this like from the very beginning without any mistakes. You have to make those mistakes, and uh, you kind of been working on those games before, which didn't fly. And uh, I guess the, the the lessons that you learned there, you applied to to this to the current project, and it helped you succeed and make a better game. Anyway, yeah. um, Stefan, thank you so much for finding the time. Uh, it was very enjoyable to talk to you and uh, I hope your game sells more and more and we'll see the release of the final version and then the sequel and then maybe start <laughs> selling figurines or something or anyway. Yeah, thank you so much and uh, see you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for talking to me. Bye. Bye. 
Thanks for enjoying another episode of the 80 Level Roundtable podcast. Check out upcoming episodes on the 80 Level website at 80.lv. Join our career site at 80.lv slash RFP and share our podcast with friends and on your social networks.